What's it like being a first-generation college student and choosing to chase your career in medicine while combating self-doubt? How do you flawlessly perform a scene from the sound of music in front of your new classmates during your medical school orientation? How does one go about deciding what to pursue the residency program in, particularly anesthesia? Today on Talking Missions and Med Student Life, I interview Max, a fourth-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. Max, finally we meet. Finally. Since you've been gone for so long. Fourth year student. Yes. And we're going to wait till the end to talk about what you chose. Okay. So let's go back to the beginning, man. When did you decide to become a doctor? So for me, it was one of these things where I kind of always, I revered doctors. I thought they were cool. I have an uncle who did family medicine, and mm-hmm. he did a ton of um, like humanitarian work. He would go to Africa and come back and show these slideshows, and I'd be like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's something I want to do. Um, I've always, you know, service has been a big part of what brings me joy, and I thought if I could pick a career where, you know, service is a huge component of it, you have a very steady life as well. You're not going to lose your job as a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helps that I really like science. Yeah. But, um, you know, kind of all those things combined together led me here. I had a lot of doubt as to whether I could do it, but, you know, pushed through that and we're here. Well, where did the doubt come from? You know, in my immediate family, you know, both my parents did a little bit of college. Um, neither of them graduated. I have a twin brother who he... He went to some college, but didn't graduate. Older brother, kind of same story. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was like, eh, I don't, can I do this? Mm-hmm. I remember getting to, I started undergrad at the U. I remember getting up here, having to fill out all the financial aid stuff. And I was like, you know what, maybe I should just stay home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was overwhelming. It's daunting, from, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I come from a pretty small hometown, Spanish Fork. Um, it's getting way bigger, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's pretty sleepy. A lot of people stay around there. And so I think when I got here, I had my first semester, I remember thinking it was going to be like high school, and it wasn't. Mm. You know, you actually have to write papers and do stuff. So that was a little bit of an adjustment, but, um, you know, once I hit my stride in college, it, I kind of started, you know, realizing, oh, I can do this. You know, general chemistry isn't the most impossible thing. Organic chemistry still is, but, you know, I made it through. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's back up a bit. Like, how did you wind up at the U to start? Like, yeah. what, what, walk me through the decision-making process. So um, you grew up, went to Spanish Fork High? Went to Spanish Fork High. Okay. Most people in Spanish Fork, if they go to college, I, I feel like a decent amount do, they'll just go to UVU. It's mm-hmm. like 20 minutes away, pretty much if you have a heartbeat, they'll accept you. Mm-hmm. Not that, that yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people do trades as well. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was like, I want to be a little different. Mm-hmm. And so, like, all right, I'll go 20 minutes further yes. <laughs> to Salt Lake City. Did you live at home and commute, or did you live in the so dorms? So I did you... for, uh, so starting out, I lived in the dorms, and I have many dorm stories okay. to pull from there. Um, so, yeah, I, I lived in the dorms. Uh, that was part of the reason why I think I had some freshman struggles with classes. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I started out wanting to do exercise physiology um and you know part way through that they actually just got rid of the degree Mm. and so um that eventually i I did about two years here went on an lds mission where'd you go so i went to japan okay 
south of Japan. And Did you speak Japanese before? I took a class in high school. But that was enough yeah. for them to say, oh, Max, you need to go here. Yeah, yeah they're like, yeah. he's interested? All right, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> but that class was mostly like the teacher would bring in Japanese treats and show us like cool shows from Japan. And I, Anime, I manga. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, the learning, I, I thought I'd be like set to go and like day one mm. of of trying to learn the language that was already way over my head. <laughs> wow. So you're at the U. Were, were you doing pre-med stuff before was, you left for your mission? I yeah. was, yeah. but I, I didn't have much direction. I just mm -hmm. kind of took classes because you needed to have so many credits. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was always on my mind. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, medicine was the ultimate goal. Okay. Um, yeah, so did that. Did the mission, came back since since the degree was gone. I had a really cool physiology professor mm -hmm. who taught some neuroscience within that class. So I was like, this is pretty cool. I want to hear about a story about you in Japan because <laughs> <laughs> I just have this image of you running around the country doing your thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah no. So and I, Japanese is a fairly hard language to master. So yeah, yeah. and you know, I I feel like I really just kind of dove in. Um, once I was there, I tried not to speak English as much as possible. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was about six inches taller than the average Japanese person. Mm -hmm. Blonde hair, blue eyes, and so I stood out. A lot of people, I'd be riding my bike by, and they'd say, Oh, Deutsche Jean, like, that's a German. <laughs> like, it's a German man. Mm -hmm. I have no German ancestry, but, you know, to them, they thought I was German. So everywhere I went, you know, I was either scaring people when they'd open their door, because I'm, the, like, this big, looming yeah. figure. Um, but the the... Younger generation of uh, Japanese girls tended to gravitate toward mm -hmm. Americans. And so it, it would be fun because we would go, we'd be riding our bikes, we rode bikes everywhere. And there would be like a little gaggle of high school girls who would, you know, be paying attention and they'd be talking to each other. And then we, I'd go say something to them in, in Japanese. Japanese. And they'd be like, oh, no, he understands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I scared a lot of people mm -hmm. when they opened their door, um, hit my head on a lot of doorways. Yeah. Yeah, their apartments there, like, they're on, I, I just imagine you're on, like, the 95th floor, uh -huh. and they're, like, they're like a cubicle, and, yeah, that's, that's your, and that's how you sleep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And you sleep on, you, pretty much everywhere you sleep on the floor, mm -hmm. and you have just this big blanket, they call it a futon, mm -hmm. futon. And uh, that was a little bit of an adjustment. Uh, the food was I learned to love it. Mm -hmm. There's some pretty gross things out there as well mm -hmm. that kind of is a point of pride. So it's not just sushi for two years? No, no, I wish. Yeah. Yeah. But the the gross stuff, even Japanese people don't like it. There's mm -hmm. this one food called natto mm -hmm. that it's fermented soybeans. And mm. you put a little soy sauce on it, but when you mix it up, it almost becomes mucusy. Mm -hmm. And it's repulsing to most people but they're like the little old grandpas they're like no it's great for your heart it's mm -hmm. great for your all these things so i was like okay by the end of this i'm gonna love it yeah and so i'll what i'll do is i'll buy it sometimes and make my american friends mm -hmm. try it out <laughs> were, were you doing any community service in japan were you teaching english or working in hospitals or anything like that or? so yeah i so i was there when the tsunami happened oh, okay i think it was 2009 and so we had a ton of service opportunities. Yeah, well, well, like, how did that, I mean, did you hear about that? Like, how did you learn about it happening? Were just people talking about it? So I you, was, You're not allowed to watch the news, right? So Yeah, yeah so yeah. not much. I mean, and, you know, you sneak it on the, you get in a haircut, you sneak some yeah. But, um, so I was actually on a train in the very south of Japan, and we were headed, we were headed to an area, and, like, mid-train ride, they just stopped the train, 
and they said like tsunami alert and where i was was almost as far away from the tsunami as you could get but still that far south mm -hmm. since we were close to the water um they stopped the train well, then this never happens right so yeah never. When people were freaking out on the train yeah right, yeah. yeah people yeah. were freaking out yeah. and uh they stopped the train they're like yeah there's a tsunami up near sendai um, everybody gets off, so we like, stayed in this random town. I had no idea where it was, middle of the night. <laughs> but um, we had a lot of other missionaries come from those areas, uh, and it was a ton of service. You know, we were able to go up there, mm -hmm. help clean up. Um, the hospital situation, I mean, everywhere was just over flooded. Mm -hmm. And so me having no real medical training, we were just there to try to help direct people, help clean up, you know, whatever we could do. Um, but it showed me, you know, if this earthquake that's supposed to be coming to Utah eventually happens, mm. you know, there's a lot of work that we could do to prepare. <laughs> yes, yes. A lot, a lot. Okay, so you're on your mission, and then I think you make a big decision during your mission. Walk, walk me through that. Because you end up transferring, right? I did. Yeah. 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 So uh, mission was nice because for two years, you didn't really have to think that much about Life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like you just have a purpose and you go do it. Um, but yeah, so I had a lot of people who were like, you know, BYU is pretty good. You know, it's cheap. Uh, mm -hmm. They have good professors there, you know, a lot of research opportunities. And um, for me, they have a neuroscience degree that I was really excited about. And so during that time, I think, you know, I had companions, probably half of them were BYU students. Mm -hmm. So they kind of were in my ear telling me it was a good choice. Um, Utah for undergrad, I'm sure I'd have been plenty happy staying up here as well. But yeah, for those reasons, um, I was going to save a lot of money down at, at the Y as well. Uh, I decided to transfer down there. Mm -hmm. And so you know, so after your mission, you went straight to BYU. Mm -hmm. Okay. How was the jump from the U to BYU? Like nine day, a lot, was, a lot more praying, a lot more scriptures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember getting in, it was like a class of 300, 350 people, huge science, just kind of entry-level class for all the pre-med people. And yeah, they started out with like a spiritual thought mm -hmm. and a, a scripture and then a prayer. And I was like, can they do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's very embedded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of the way of life. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that was different. I remember like my first three classes as well were in like the oldest building on BYU campus. Like it felt like it was crumbling. And I remember walking in that morning and thinking, like, what have I done? <laughs> what is this place? Yeah. Why does it look like this? Yeah. Exactly. But, no, it, eventually I, I loved it. I had great research opportunity. I was able to teach at the Missionary Training Center Japanese okay. for, like, three, almost four years. So it was an awesome experience. And is that where you first saw me? Because I think I talked to, is that that class? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, with well, Dr. Like, yeah. Tell, tell me about it. Like, yeah. I remember, so Dr. Chan, to those who haven't met him, he's He's very friendly and like very inviting person, but just knowing, Thank you. yeah, yeah, just knowing that he's the dean of admissions was terrifying. <laughs> and a class of three fifty, yeah, no, yeah, I, I remember, was terrified. I was on, I was on like the second row. Did I call on you? You might have. Okay, I've, I have would have had no idea what I would have said. Oh my goodness, this just makes me laugh. Yeah, okay. so he, you walk in, and uh, I remember just like thinking this is the man standing in the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's me. It's the committee. It's not me. All yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so you're running around BYU. Doing, how, how's being a pre-med at BYU? Because there's a lot of pre-meds that come out of BYU. Is it, is it like 
overtly competitive? Is it subtle? Is it, there, I feel like you have, if you find a good group of people you can study with and get in with, it's not too bad of an experience. But yeah, no, there, it's very much, there are some people in the classes that are like, you know, they'll call out the professor because they want to make sure that their grade is high enough. And yeah. I think that's everywhere. Mm. But um, yeah, at BYU, I think we had 300 in my class who were going into pre-med. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once I found out I got into the U, there were people who came up to me and they're like, oh, you got into the U. I was like, what? <laughs> You're the one. Yeah. 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 All right. So walk me through the application process. How many schools did you apply to? What was kind of your strategy? So for me, I think I applied to between 30 and 40. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just shotgunned it, places that sounded fun living. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of went through with my wife. Um, and, you know, we thought, where would be fun? Where would be reasonable? And uh, what are some schools that, you know, would actually be interested in taking me? And so I applied to probably 25 MD, 30 MD, and then a handful of DO schools because I did not want to reapply. Mm-hmm. And um, most of the interviews that I got were in the West. So I'm University of Colorado, University of Arizona, a couple of DO schools in the area as well, mm-hmm. University of Utah. Went to all those interviews, um, and I think it was pretty clear that you know we wanted to stay in the West mm-hmm. after doing those. Um, and I, oh, I also got an interview at the Uniformed Health Sciences. Oh, okay. And back in DC. Yeah. yeah. And that's like the military route. Yeah. And I really thought about that one. But, you know, through some conversation, um, we decided I'd rather not have a military career. Mm-hmm. It has its pros, it has its cons, mm-hmm. but for our family, we decided to do something else. But so for, for me, it was ultimately between Utah, Colorado, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, once we got that beautiful call from you. Yeah, I remember calling. You were very excited. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think you were a little stunned at the beginning, but you were very yeah. excited. Yeah. I had just... I. I was taking an exercise class, so I'd, I'm not a runner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I had just finished running like two miles, which was pretty good for me. Um, and I was walking up a big staircase, and I got the call from you. So I'm sure I was out of breath, I was like stunned. Was, was it immediate yes, or did you have to talk to your wife? Or like, what, oh, yeah. what, what, what was kind of the internal discussion? From yeah. the very beginning, my wife, was, she was so confident that I would get into the U. Okay. And, you know, we. I think we had just found out that she was pregnant. With okay. Son. He's I, three now. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. 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 So he just met her white coat. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we just found out she's pregnant. Both of our families were here. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a time of transition. So Utah just made sense. So once we found out, you know, I was able to cancel a handful of other interviews. We knew we wanted to be here. Okay. And then how? So like, there's a perception of med school. Like you know, you can't really fully understand med school. Um, you know, I'm trying to do that with the podcast, but in a way you have to actually be in med school to understand it. I mean, what was the biggest surprise to you? You know, cause like people have this notion of med school is going to be X, but then you came, you started mm-hmm. and it, it turned out to be X, but maybe some Y, like what, 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 what were your thoughts? Like, was it a surprise? Was it a hard tramp jump to go from undergrad to grad school like this? Like, I think so. You know, during undergrad, you're doing a lot of things to make yourself competitive. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was working a job. I was doing all this uh, volunteer stuff. Um, I volunteered with hospice. Mm-hmm. So I was spending a significant amount of time doing that and other activities. I was surprised that once I got to med school, I mean, it took time to figure out how to study and whatnot. I actually had more free time. Really? Okay. Yeah. 
I had some more free time. Um, you hear from everybody, oh, med school is going to kill you. It's going to be the hardest thing ever. And so I went in expecting that. And um, it was, yeah, it was a lot better. So what were you doing with your free time? Uh, golfing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> golfing. Preparing for the life. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't hard. I mean, I there were things that were challenging about it. I think figuring out the best way to study, it's just so much more information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember we had our first lecture. It was uh, Dr. Formosa, who's like a big name in like biochemistry, cell biology, like microbiology stuff. And he did his lecture and it was so esoteric and so like the stuff he'd been researching for 20 years. And I remember thinking, yeah, I'm never going to learn this. <laughs> <laughs> Too much detail. Yeah. yeah. So I had like a panic moment maybe the first week. I was like, mm. I don't know. But then I looked around and everyone else was panicked. And mm. it was like, well, there are a hundred of us. Mm-hmm. We got to get through it somehow. And I think, you know, safety in numbers, kind of the, this, we're all going through it together, helped through that initial shock phase. But once I got down, you know, figured out a way to study, figured out a way to prioritize my time. Yeah. It was pretty smooth. And then you were in my, my CMC, my clinical method curriculum group. Yes. So how was that? I'm just curious. I love asking this. Like, what was your perception? Like, when you found out I was going to be your CMC preceptor, did that freak you out or did that make you happy? I mean, yeah. Once I was in and had a couple conversations with you, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, Dr. Chan's awesome. Mm-hmm. You, you went from, like, the gatekeeper to just this, an awesome mentor. And so... I love that. And I actually took step two CS last week. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay. okay. And in one of my patient encounters, I, I did JVD with, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. jugular venous distension. Mm-hmm. And I recalled clear back to when you were teaching us JVD. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a positive experience. I, I would like to think that you use that often yeah. during your first <laughs> last two years. But I, I doubt, were you doing JVD in a lot of your patients? Never. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you do it for show and CS. Yeah, you do, you you do it for OSCEs. You do it for clinical skills. CS. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And I remember, like, Max, you were just so... Um, you're like this big, burly, happy guy. I remember, like, we can talk about, like, the interesting fact about you. I remember at orientation, Dr. Stevenson called you out in front of the entire class yes. for The Sound of Music. Like, uh-huh. explain that to people. So, so yeah, I had never seen the movie The mm-hmm. Sound of Music. My wife's family was super into it, mm-hmm. and The Hills Are Alive, all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so once we got married, well, I, I guess... As long as I can remember, people are like, oh, you're Friedrich from The Sound of Music. You look so much like him. And I was like, okay, cool. And I, I eventually watched the movie, and I was like, oh, that guy looks, I look a lot like that guy. It's kind of weird. Like, kind of had this weird out-of-body yeah, thing where yeah. it's like, his, even his mannerisms is super similar. Did you ever dress up for Halloween? Oh, no. no. <laughs> I don't want to do that to myself. Okay, maybe down the road. Okay, yeah. yeah sure. But so, yeah, we have this lookbook for the entering class. Mm-hmm. And in it, I put, it says, say something interesting about yourself. And I think I mentioned that I have a twin brother and that I, people mistake me for Friedrich from The Sound of Music. And uh, at the orientation, yeah, Dr. Stevenson, who kind of ran the whole thing, he said, he was, you know, talking about people's different interesting things they brought up. And, you know, I thought he called my name out and... I thought it'd be a couple questions mm-hmm. about, you know, my sound of music experience. And it definitely wasn't. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's have you come forth. And he played one of the songs. For yeah. The, yeah. The he went all music. in on the audio visual. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I did a very poor job of like singing and dancing along. Yeah. You danced. <laughs> Remember that for the entire, you just met these people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Okay. And one of my classmates, Jabber, mm-hmm. who he's awesome. I play basketball with him. He's hilarious. 
he, for the first six months of med school, thought that I was in the movie. <laughs> he, he came up to me and he's like, bro, I can't believe you were, like, in movies and stuff. And I was like, that movie was made, like, 60 years ago, <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, right. So, um, during the first two years, Max, what were you thinking of becoming? I because I think you were surgery was up there, wasn't it? Surgery you, was up there. Emergency medicine, maybe mm-hmm. emergency okay. ophthalmology. Okay. Um, I I had shadowed people in nearly every you know specialty, and I'm one of those people that you could pick for me, and mm-hmm. I would probably have a happy career. Yeah. Um. I, I and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think because it, it helped me know that medicine was the right choice. But when it came time to actually choosing, you know, I think so. Don't oh, say we, we okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but then like so you're. you're so the future is wide open, a lot of yeah. different ideas. Like, how did third year start, like, how did you start ruling it, ruling out, ruling in, ruling out different fields? What was third yeah. year like for you? So I think the big one that most people experience is medicine versus surgery. Okay. That's kind of the big break point. And I started with medicine, and uh, I liked it. I really liked my attendings. It was nice. But once I moved to surgery next, I kind of thought, oh, like, I... Rounding is not really my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some days where you would round for four hours before lunch, mm-hmm. go get lunch, and then round for four more hours. Yeah, and a lot of talking. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of thinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, my attention span, I'm good for a couple hours, and mm-hmm. then my mind just starts to wander yeah. to the pain in my feet mm-hmm. as I'm standing there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to look interested. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. Um, and so once I moved to surgery, you know, the hours are longer. You can have some attendings that are a little more intense, but I love being in the OR. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, there's a problem right in front of you and you're there to fix it. I like the kind of immediate gratification that comes from that. Um, so, you know, surgery was definitely high on the list. I have uh, people I know that have done emergency medicine, mm-hmm. which um, was pretty high on the list as well. Um, but then ophthalmology was up there as well. Mm-hmm. I had a cool mentor in undergrad, so I liked aspects of pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you make your decision then if you liked everything? Yeah. I, like, I mean, walk me through that. Yeah. So for me, it was, it was, you know, as I experience it, I, I would talk a lot with my wife, talk with friends, mm-hmm. you know, I'd ask her, what was I like coming home from surgery? Mm-hmm. Or what was I like coming home from this emergency medicine? Lesson? So you would ask Kelsey, did you like uh, ophthalmology max or internal yeah. medicine max <laughs> exactly. or family medicine max? Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. And that was helpful. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think one thing I really noticed is how I felt going in for shifts as well. Mm-hmm. You know, going in for surgery, I was always tired. But I was excited. Yeah, the hours can be daunting. Yeah. yeah, like waking up at, what, three or four? Yeah. Going into the hospital? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah, so that was, you kind of get in the groove. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were times where I was like, I don't know if I could do this for 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once I was there, it was really exciting. Um, they don't have, so you have to choose to do an emergency medicine elective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another one I was interested in is anesthesia because mm-hmm. you're in the OR. Um, but I'd never rotated on it. And so at the end of third year, I was, it's coming that time where you have to pick. Mm-hmm. And I was still thinking, okay, emergency medicine. I actually, uh, so those that don't know, Dr. Chan does psychiatry, yep. child and adolescent psychiatry. I had rotated through um, uni up here and thought, oh, I could definitely do some yeah. child and adolescent as well. There's a program where you do, it's called triple board, where you're peds, 
uh, adult psychiatry, child psychiatry. So there were there's like a month period where I thought, oh, that's something I want to do as well. So I was all over the board. I loved it all. I thought I could do it all. What did you do for your elective time during third year? Yeah, so I did emergency. Oh, okay. I did emergency. Well, I did research. Okay. was kind of my proper elective mm -hmm. time, and that was in ophthalmology, and I kind of figured out that, you know, the lifestyle's great. It's a lot of people really like it, but it wasn't perfect fit for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then the rest of that time I did uh, emergency medicine, okay. and then I stacked anesthesia right after that. Okay. That was kind of the deciding point for okay. me. Um, and so why anesthesia? Cause yeah. Why'd you, that's pick? what I yeah. chose. Yeah. yeah. Why, why? So anesthesia for me, they kind of felt like my people mm -hmm. was just the very most basic. I would go into the OR generally really chill people mm -hmm. tend to calm the seas. You know, they're, they're, they're somebody who you really kind of advocate for one person at a time, mm -hmm. which I loved. Mm. Um, the chair here at the U, Dr. Egan, he says that in anesthesia you have the mind of a of an internist, you know, the technical orientation of a surgeon, and the heart of a psychiatrist. Mm. And I mean, you don't dive in as deep into mm. any of those, but you know, you get to have pieces of different specialties, which I loved. Mm -hmm. You know, I could still work with my hands. You still use all that physiology and pharmacology that you pound into your head yep, during yeah. med school. And you're, a lot of times you're meeting someone on like the scariest day of their life. Yeah. They're about to... A lot of anxiety. Yeah. A yeah. lot of anxiety. You know, they could leave, a lot of times they're leaving that surgery with a very different life than they went in. Mm -hmm. And as an anesthesiologist, you get to meet them you get to greet them, you get to calm their nerves, and yeah. you're kind of this advocate for them throughout this procedure. The surgeon does their thing, they fix it. You're the one who keeps them going mm -hmm. throughout that whole thing. And, and I love the opportunity to be like one person at one time. Mm -hmm. You are 100% their advocate. I love your eyes just light up when you talk about it. So <laughs> did, did Kelsey, did she see that too? She, yeah, absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I did emergency medicine for a month. And then right after, I did anesthesia. And that was kind of, I wanted to see how the two compared. And I would come home from emergency medicine shifts. And even though the hours aren't as long, I was tired. Mm -hmm. And they generally funnel the cool stuff to med students. You know, mm -hmm. suturing, lack repairs, different things like that. And I started noticing before I'd go in, I'd kind of have a pit in my stomach. Mm -hmm. And coming home, I was pretty tired. And so I thought, well, if it's not emergency, I really hope it's anesthesia because mm -hmm. I got to pick soon. And day two, day one or two of anesthesia, I was in the operating room. They let me do some innovation, you know, talk with patients before. Mm -hmm. I knew it mm -hmm. was the one for me. So what does what does uh, anesthesiology residency look like? Is it, how, how long is it and like what kind of rotations are there on it? Yeah, so it's four years. Okay. Your first year is uh, an intern year. You can choose between there are basically three options you can do a prelim year in medicine mm -hmm. so you're rounding doing all you're basically an internal medicine resident mm -hmm. intern for a year you can do surgery where um it's the same deal but for surgery and then you can do something called a transitional year and those are kind of a blend of the two there are some transitional years that have a reputation for being super chill there's yep. one in like santa barbara where mm -hmm. i think you work like 30 hours a week so everybody applies to that. <laughs> <laughs> so you have your first year. Mm -hmm. um, it can vary widely. And then three years of anesthesia training. Okay. 
you spend, you, you want me to keep sure, going? Sure, go, 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 yeah. Yeah, so first year is just kind of getting used to the OR. Um, they'll rotate. Uh, kind of the big disciplines within anesthesia are obviously OR, just general anesthesia. You can do regional, mm-hmm. where you're doing blocks, nerve blocks before surgery. If someone, mm-hmm. a lot of times on the burn unit, there's they have a lot of pain, so you'll go in and do a nerve block so to take away the pain. Like um, for like laceration repairs? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, okay. Uh-huh. Um, at OB is a big part of it where mm-hmm. you go in, you're doing epidurals, you're helping with pain management there. And then there's chronic pain, which is people with back pain, mm-hmm. you know, nerve pain. Um, you're kind of managing them long term. Yeah. So that's fascinating because like when I think of anesthesia, like you do have this image of like, oh, like they provide general anesthesia. They, you know, they knock the patients out, bring them back to life. Uh-huh. But yeah, you like you've talked about like there's also this clinic component where you're treating people who have chronic pain Mm -hmm. and yeah i can see psychiatry being a huge part of that like motivational interviewing and helping people and and um yeah that's a that's a fascinating dynamic when you think about it like there i don't think too many people think of anesthesiologists like that so absolutely and you know i didn't know much about what else you did i there's kind of a perception of people that go into anesthesia. When my non-medicine friends hear that I'm doing anesthesia, they're like, oh, you're going for the big bucks. <laughs> or, you know, you're, you want an easy job. But, you know, when you're in the OR, it's not easy. And it can be really scary at times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you are breathing for that person. Yeah. You are making sure their heart's beating yeah. normal. You're the one making sure their, their brain is getting blood flow. Mm-hmm. And you have to act quick. Mm-hmm. And... I like that component. There's kind of the emergency medicine acuity mm. there, um, but in a, a very kind of set environment. Mm-hmm. So, what's your what 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 is what was your strategy for applying to anesthesiology programs? I mean, like, how many are there? How many did you decide to apply to? How how do you how did you determine if you're a, a competitive person for these programs? Yeah. yeah so. Um, I followed a rule where you do you apply to sixty percent of schools that you think are you're a really good fit for. Twenty percent that are kind of fallback schools where you're like, eh, I'll go there. And then twenty percent that are reach. You know, board scores is a big part of deciding where you're mm-hmm. where you fit well. Um I was pretty happy with how I did on my boards. Um I felt like I did well with clinical um grades. Um and so, you know, there were definitely plenty of REACH schools. You know, most of the schools in the middle, I felt, you know, if they're interested in me, I'd be a, re- a really good applicant. Um, so it kind of went about it like that. There's a big list. Doximity does a list of ranking kind of according to reputation, mm-hmm. research output. You, can, you could spend months looking up all these schools. Um, so I spent a good amount of time looking at, you know, how these schools rank up. And then location is another big one. Um, I'm married. I have a three-year-old son. Uh, We're from Utah. You know, Utah is comfortable. The West is comfortable. Exactly. Um, And so, you know, somewhere in the West would kind of, we thought would be ideal. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I still applied to programs on the East Coast and have loved those interviews as well. So how many many total did you apply to? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I applied to with... Altogether, about I think fifty. Fifty. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And that that includes uh, intern year applications as well. Okay. So you have to apply to those separately. 
Fun. Yeah. <laughs> More so there's, money. There's no programs that are combined? There, there are plenty of programs okay. that are combined, okay. but there are also a bunch where it's not combined. Mm -hmm. And if you end up getting in there, you have to find your own intern. So you have to go out and interview for like mm -hmm. these intern years. Yeah. And kind of do the whole process. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And it's a different feel. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times they're, they're really nice. I did mostly medicine intern mm -hmm. years. They're super nice, but they also know you're only going to be there for. Yeah, a you're a hired gun for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you go on these anesthesiology interviews, do they ever like kind of test you for your skills? Do they say, oh, start an IV or intubate? Or they don't do that. It's all just talking. It's so that's one thing. Another confirmation of why anesthesia has been great for me is just talk, talking. Okay, all right. No, yeah. no, 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 no surgery. No, okay. <laughs> no, like okay. IV, do it. Go. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, most of it has been super chill, super laid back. Mm -hmm. um, depending on the program you're at, you know, you can have anywhere from like a ten minute interview to a half an hour, mm -hmm. which can be daunting because yeah. you're like, what am I going to talk about for a half hour? But you know, people in anesthesia are generally laid back, and mm -hmm. that thirty minutes flies by. Okay. Yeah. Any, I don't know. This is fascinating, Max. That's why I love talking to you. Any, what's the what's the perception of nurse anesthesia? Yeah, I mean, I mean, does I get talked about in interview days, or is that? I, I'm just curious what you guys learn about that. So sure. So yeah, I think, and that was something I considered before choosing the field. You know, mm -hmm. everyone thinks, oh, nurse anesthesia—they're taking over all the anesthesiologist jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's cheaper. Um, every nurse anesthetist I've worked with has been excellent. Mm -hmm. You know, they're wonderful. And generally in residency, the things I've looked for are: are you working? to relieve nurse anesthetists. So are you going in to take, to make sure the nurse anesthetists get home mm. or is it vice versa? Mm -hmm. And you know, if you're a resident who's relieving nurse anesthesia, you're probably going to work a lot more, you know, you're maybe kind of more of a workhorse in that environment, mm -hmm. whereas vice versa, the program is prioritizing your time, your, your education time study. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of people in anesthesia in general, you know, there's a concern that are there going to be less jobs because nurse anesthesia, they can do very similar things, uh, you know, more routine cases. Yeah. They can step in. And, and that leaves the complex cases for the anesthesiologists, uh -huh. which have inherent more risk. And then you talk about insurance coverage. Right. And, right. Yeah, it's hugely controversial. It's like it it's really one is. of these things that I, I, I don't think there's a answer. It's just it's just kind of how the system has evolved. Right. Uh, but I do know. To get a bunch of anesthesiologists going, you just kind of talk like, oh, what do you think about, like, you know, <laughs> nurse anesthesia? And then they, oh, you know, everyone has opinions on this. So, And, you yeah. know, most people I've talked to are in anesthesia who have done it forever. They're not super concerned about it, you mm -hmm. know, taking jobs away or killing their pay, anything mm -hmm. like that. It more has turned into, rather than doing one patient at a time, you know, if it's at a surgery center where the acuity is lower, they'll just observe two or three rooms mm -hmm. and nurse anesthetists will be in those rooms and if anything happens you step in and can help mm -hmm. so um you know i would love to do one patient at a time all the time but you know it's nice to have those skills to yeah. kind of manage multiple rooms as well yeah it's yeah because like the field it sounds like the field is evolving like all fields do, yeah so. yeah all right and so um going into your decision like because you have to make a rank list wasn't it due like in a couple months yeah i think it's due february 
or so. So do you have like some sort of really complicated Excel spreadsheet at home, or is this just by your gut, or is just Kelsey in charge of your rank list, and <laughs> you just give her the password, and she'll she's just gonna do what she does? Or it'll be, uh, it, I think it'll be an amalgamation of all of this. <laughs> okay. Say, honey, how do you feel? Where do you want to live? Okay. But I'm very much like go by gut feel. All right. You know the programs. I've done about eight or nine interviews at this point. Um, the magic number to match, mm-hmm. you know, like almost 100% uh, possibility of matching if you do about 12 interviews. Okay. Um, I'll probably do 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. But uh, going into it, it's very much been a gut feel. The programs I leave where I was like, yeah, I really got along with the residents. Mm-hmm. You know, I really like the area. Those are the places that I tend to think about more. Okay. All right. Um, this has been great, Max. So, looking back, what advice would you give uh, anyone who's listening out there who might be struggling with the idea of going to med school or unsure if they can do it or maybe has that doubt or doesn't come from a background in medicine? What would you say to them? I'd say, you know, not medicine isn't for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are definitely those who get into medicine and their whole life they were like medicine or bust. And they get into it and are, like, disappointed. But if you know that it's something you're really interested in, give it a shot. You know, I had a lot of self-doubt, like I said before. Um, but once I got in, once I put the time in, mm-hmm. you know, I think some people, they really want to do something. But, you know, sitting down and actually putting the time in, showing that dedication is another thing entirely. So for me, it was once I sat down, I was like, okay, I'm really going to study for this organic chemistry test. I'm really going to you know, get through and do the hard stuff, um, that's where I gain some confidence. And so you'll have hard classes. You'll have moments where you think maybe it's not worth it. Um, just buckle down, get through that obstacle, and, you know, you'll have confidence coming out the other end. Awesome. Well, we should have you come back, Max, after the match, because I'm very curious to see where you end up. Um, I'm curious yeah. to see where I end up as well. <laughs> it's been fantastic having you in, in, in the CMC group, but also just being part of our school and, and just part of our community. And, you know, everyone loves you and Charlie and Kelsey. And, uh, yeah, and then yeah, just keep on. Yeah, I'm just so proud of you. So Thank you. All right. Thanks, Max. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.